This, this is, is Yawa Radio. A warm welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. So you're listening to Yawa Radio, you know, it's always great to be out and about. And once again, I'm at Carers Plus Yorkshire. Um, and today I'm joined by one of the trustees, Michael Hunt. Michael, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Steve. Good, thanks. Uh, well, a lovely day. Every time I come across here, the well, sun is... Yorkshire at its best today. It's <laughs> spring, the sun's out. Yeah, the sun... Keeping lambs in the field, great the, stuff. The, the sun is shining. Yeah. So, so, Michael, tell me about how you got involved then with uh, Carers Plus. Right. Uh, I got involved in the days when it was called Scarborough and Rydale Carers Resource. I, I knew the organisation because I worked for the County Council in social care. Okay. So I was one of the people who actually funded them. <laughs> so I'm a gamekeeper turned poacher, as it were. Right, got you. And um, I knew them through work professionally. I always had a good deal of respect for them. They were always highly regarded as, a, as providing good services and good partnerships with other agencies. And I've always had an interest in carers because... Um, like many people, I was a care of my elderly parents when they became um, older and, and ill and uh, also had some personal experiences of caring. And I ended up leaving work, retired early in the early uh, 2013, I think. And um, I was looking for voluntary roles and approached uh, the carer's service then. and became one of the trustees and then after a few years became chairman and um, I mean my back I've got sort of got a kind of professional background in social care and knowing the caring side from that but I also unfortunately became a, a carer for my wife when she was diagnosed with my late wife when she was diagnosed with cancer in 2012 okay which was how I left work to look after her so in a sense I've had the very personal hands-on stuff for the the year before she sadly died so I've um, you know I've seen it from a number of different sides yeah from both sides absolutely yes so when when you were in those days when you were working for the council then was was there a gap was was Carbon right there to carers filled in a big gap there that was needed to be filled yes it was because um, social care in this country um, is a far from universal service and over the years those entitled to social care support from the states have got less and less and which in a sense has made the role of voluntary organisations more important. To be fair to North Yorkshire, we've always had a good relationship with them, they'd spotted that early and wanted to increase the resources they put into local, uh, local, local charitable and voluntary services knowing that it's a in a sense, they can get more value for money mm -hmm. because yeah. they can. We can a carers plus organisation can do things far more flexibly than a big statutory organisation. So you know they they encouraged us and they encouraged services like this across the county as a whole. And then in a sense, it's up to us then to run with it. And you know because the county council probably fund us for about a quarter of a million pounds a year. Right. Okay. But our budget 
we spend well over a million. Yes, yeah. So therefore, that that money wouldn't be there unless we were there getting it in from other funding sources. Yeah, from other funding sources, so yes. If it, so if the county council just spent what they spent on us, they'd get a course of the service. Yeah, go oh yeah. I mean, I mean, been worked in the charitable sector in the yeah. past myself. You know, I know some of the challenges yeah. that that go uh, go out there. So how, it, how I've got an interesting question for you because I, I was I was the COO of a charity and I got a good friend of mine, um, and um, I persuaded him to become a trustee. Okay, right. um, and then he became the head of the trustee, so to speak. Right. And he often used to say to me, "You told me." But there weren't much to do here, Steve, <laughs> and uh, and there's a lot to do. How has your role developed from first getting involved to now becoming chairman? Um, developed quite substantially because I, although I was well acquainted with the voluntary sector, I'd never worked in the voluntary mm-hmm. sector. I'd never been a trustee before. Um, so, in a sense, I knew the theory. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was the practice that was a bit more difficult. I think... You know, because in essence, you're a combination. You know, we are a registered charity here, and we're also company limited by guarantee. Okay. So you know, the trustee has got the responsibilities of a director of a commercial company, and the charitable side as well. Wow. So those two have to be reconciled. So you've got reporting to the charity commission and to the yeah yeah, yeah. you've got everything. So you know, our staff here are you know working um, across the framework with regulators, with commissioners, with charity commission, as well as meeting all the statutory requirements of getting audit, audited accounts and um, tax, you know, all the dealings with, with revenue and everything else. So, And how many trustees have you got? I've got about eight at the moment. Um, there's no magic number. Mm-hmm. Um, some organisations have less, um, some have more. I think we've got the balance about right. We've got a number of people um, who've got a background. Most of the most of our trustees have got a knowledge or an experience of caring. Okay. Um, a number of them uh, have got professional backgrounds, like an accountant and working in the voluntary sector or a lawyer. But some have got have got more direct experience of caring, and a couple of others run their own businesses. Right. Okay. So so they get very much a kind of Entrepreneurial kind of input to the to okay because so, I think you've got you've got John Sudderby have you still is John yes. still with you as the yes he is yeah as the as the accountant man or whatever yes, and, yes. and did, does each of the trustees have a role then does somebody take on <clears throat> like an HR remit and how does it work no we don't we've as trustees we we take what you might call quite a strategic role which you know we let a lot of the day to day stuff be handled by our chief officer and mm. the deputy. So, in a sense, we set the strategic direction, the policy direction, up, do all the kind of, uh, take on the responsibility for all the safeguarding stuff. So, you know, we have regular board meetings, regular reports in from our staff, and we have themed discussions as well as dealing with the business. But, for instance, if it's dealing with the day-to-day issues around HR, and with 30 staff now, we do have HR issues coming up, mm. then... Most of that is dealt with on a day-to-day basis by by our by our staff team. Okay, and, and how often are you actually in this building? Then do you, do you pop in just from time to time, or I was in the habit of popping in from time to time. <laughs> I only live about twenty minutes, half an hour away, but in a sense, COVID knocked all that on the head. Yeah, of course, yes. And you know, we had 
nigh on two years of of doing trustee board meetings and other meetings by Zoom, mm-hmm. which was quite you know, we all we all found working on Zoom quite challenging during COVID for, for those who weren't accustomed to it. But you know, we now still do some meetings via Zoom simply because it cuts out travelling time. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but um, you know we. So I, th- I th- you know, we are going to continue using Zoom, but we're also going to continue face to face. Doing a hybrid model, yeah, as yeah. as many many people are. You know, as, as a lot of our staff, you know, the office is fairly quiet today, but staff are working. Mm. They're either out with people who need their support, or they're working from home, yeah. and got a core team in the office. And the and the working the working environment over this last couple of years has changed dramatically, hasn't it? And and how people are coming back in. You know, I don't know what you're seeing, but I, you know, some of the companies that I'm visiting, you know, I'm seeing a lot of hybrid working. Yeah. There's there's a lot of flexibility. Yeah. The I mean the when COVID hit, I mean the response from our staff team was amazing. Um, you know, because we're not only dealing with very vulnerable people, most of whom technically would be members of the household would be in the shielding category. Mm-hmm. So we had to be really careful about how we communicated with people, practically how we dealt with the practicalities of not spreading infection. Mm-hmm. Staff work from home, they work using Team and Zoom and what have you, and communicating by phone. We're helping some of our young carers get laptops. Right, okay. Because, you know, to try and, you know, because they were very badly, if, you know, all the evidence is that those who were the most vulnerable were the most affected by COVID. Yeah. And particularly affected the education of the young carers. You know, and the, the scheme to roll out laptops really was poorly managed and we managed to get voluntary and other charitable sources to get laptops to people. W- wonderful. So from your role, when you, when you started as trustee then, mm-hmm. how, how did you become the chairman then? How did that evolve? Was it, was, was it, um, because sometimes it's... A, I didn't get out of the way quick enough. That's, what, that's what I was trying, <laughs> that was what I was trying to think of. Sometimes these things happen, yeah. you know. I mean, you can never, these things are, we had, a, we had a, when I was first a trustee, we had a great chair and her family circumstances changed and she just couldn't afford the time anymore. Okay. Which is what happens. It's a voluntary role mm-hmm. and she resigned. They looked around for a chair one of the jobs I used to do when I was working, I used to chair a lot of meetings because I had a relatively senior role in the local authority. So, you know, people started looking at me. And, <laughs> and eventually somebody nominated me and job done, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, happy, happy to, nervous about it, but happy to do it. And, you know, they've been a challenging few years, but on balance, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and what what do you see the, the, the challenges for the care sector generally, Mike, you know, from, from you know, for yourself as an organisation? Is funding a challenge? Is it getting harder? Is it getting easier? What's happening? Well, I think it's, I mean, there's two aspects to that. One is the impact of the current situation on the carers and other vulnerable people themselves, you know, Carers have always been under pressure. They've always been taken for granted or some would say neglected by the social care system. And there's been pressure in my working career to try and up the um, image, up the knowledge and recognition of the needs of carers. So that hasn't gone away. Mm. And so we've still got a strong role to kind of um, advocate for the needs of carers or the vulnerable people. 
What we are seeing, though, is that time is getting much harder. You know, the benefits system is loaded against carers. Most carers can't work because of their caring responsibilities. Long-term um, not working means you're financially very poor, you're often isolated, you're often socially disadvantaged in many ways. And that's growing. And the, with the boom of over 75s, which we currently have, which is putting such huge pressure on health and social care, that's increasing the numbers coming to us. Right, okay. So, in a sense, the need for our services is growing all the time. So the issue for us is how do we respond to that? And one of the big decisions we took as a board um, was five or six, about five years ago, was to move expand away from just being a carers organization supporting carers we got that's still our core business mm -hmm. and it's still our raison d'etre as it were but we've got other projects like a home from hospital service yeah. and a, a support service in the community called my neighborhood and we very much expanded into the area of young carers which we hadn't done before we've also expanded into a ge another geographical part of north yorkshire around North Allerton, Richmond and um, Thirsk. And all of that makes us more secure because we've got many more funding streams coming in. Mm -hmm. Our back office functions are supported by more projects and we've got a broader range of expertise. We're not growing for the sake of growing, we're growing because that enables us to do more and makes our future more secure. Mm -hmm. We've just been fortunate enough to get the core funding for another four or possibly five, six years from the County Council mm -hmm. uh, okay. for our core services to young carers and adult carers. And, you know, we're, we've developing all the time and how we can get funding from other sources. You know, so in a few years' time, I would hope that we're still covering the geographical footprint that we are now, mm -hmm. which is good half of the county of North Yorkshire with bits of the East Riding of Yorkshire as well and if we can provide support sometimes we're working in partnership with other voluntary organisations and going for contracts and tenders then we will do that. So when when you sort of moved out in towards the Hambleton area then was 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 that an easy decision to make when how did the opportunity come up? Well it came it came up because our We've had a partnership arrangement with um, an organisation called Hamilton Richmondshire Carers Resource for a number of years. We're, we were both, historically, we were both relatively small charities, so working together made sense, mm -hmm. sharing skills, sharing ideas, often meeting together with the county council. And we had some contracts that we shared. Over time, however, as we grew and diversified, sadly, they, they didn't. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we um, they had a number of kind of ongoing management issues, and we were looking to merge with them. Okay. Um, to get to try and get one strong organisation. In the end, it didn't happen as a formal merger. It ended up with that charity being dissolved and their services transferred to us. Right. Got you. And you know, so we were. It was a long and complex process involving all sorts of things around articles of association, 
charitable objectives, charity commission, county council. Choopy and all sorts. Choopy and everything. So it was a real minefield. But at the end of the day, our goal was to try and ensure that the people of the Hamilton Richmondshire area had access to the same hopefully good quality of services that people over in this patch had. Got you. Yeah. By and we've already we've we've managed to get more grants and more income for the Hamilton Richmondshire area and we're growing our services over there. So we've and um, I'm going over there next week, and we've got a great staff team over there now. Yeah. So we're hoping that uh, we can just go from strength to strength. Oh, w- w- wonderful! Just just back on on the, on the challenges for some of the um, for the carers, uh, Michael. You know, it's no secret, is it? As we as we sat here today, we see dramatic increases in the cost of living. Yeah. Absolutely scary, and the and the way and the way the everybody's talking, we've not seen the worst of it yet. So you know how that that's a massive challenge then from what you were talking about earlier for for carers who are not working and and seeing their income really being eaten up during the last couple of years or the last few years the number of people that we're referring on to food banks and other charitable sources has grown quite dramatically you know I I don't think people have fully realised yet what the impact will be of some of the um, gas and electric price increases mm. because only just now has the cap been lifted and people won't have that impact until they really have to start putting the heating on again in the autumn. Yeah. So I think that's this kind of tsunami that's going to hit us in the autumn and I'm frankly have, haven't got any any answers <laughs> any kind of direct answers to that we but the good but the good news to... is that you're here to support people who are we are here helping. to support but we cannot magic services and resources mm. out of nothing yeah. we you know examples recently our staff have told me where it's all very well getting access to a food bank but if people haven't got a fridge they can't keep anything yes so we're getting access to you know charitable sources to get people a fridge Right, of okay. Of course, if you plug that in, you've got to pay the electric bill. Yes. So the whole thing is circular. It's a vicious circle. It is. It's a vicious And just digressing, I, I read yesterday where the, um, there was a directive from the EU that uh, they're recommending that people work at home three days a week, so it cuts travel time mm. and everything down. Well, I was reading that, and I just put that, I thought, I wonder what the thoughts are about that, because you may be working at home but then you're using your own electric your own thing you know it's it's a, it's a vicious thing there's no easy answers there's no answers and we, when we were looking at you know hybrid working for our staff here yeah we were very conscious about you still got responsibilities for health and safety as an employer so if you've got somebody working from home squatting on a badly worn sofa with a laptop on their knee with you know a, a three-year-old clambering up the back. Yes. That's not a good working environment. Mm. Yes. So, you know, you have to kind of deal with it in a very realistic way. You know, one thing we did do was make sure that when our staff were working from home, they've got decent chairs, they've got somewhere they can work. Yes. But, you know, a young person who's flat sharing or something as a, as a starter worker is in a very different situation to somebody like me who's got a room in the house which they laughingly call a study which is full of rubbish you know? <laughs> no no i get that and it's it, it throws different challenges up mm. doesn't it because we we often see the world just through our eyes mm. instead of looking through the eyes 
eyes of others, yeah, really. Yeah. So, Michael, you know, you mentioned about how the things have evolved over time, you know. So how many referrals do you uh, have you have you got in, say, in the last 12 months or something? Um, in the last 12 months, it's over two and a half thousand. And that includes adult carers, younger carers, the people who are supporting home from hospital service and our other community projects. So it's a substantial number. Wow. And, and I guess when it's rising like that as well, there's, there's challenges there to make sure you can meet the demand, I guess. Absolutely. Because, as I mentioned earlier, as the statutory services come under more and more pressure, they can only deal with what they can deal with. Mm-hmm. So inevitably, more referrals are coming to us. And, and talking about the referrals, then, where, what's the route in? Do, do people contact you direct or do they come from a, uh, another source? Diverse. Very diverse. Some people come to us directly, but the majority come through other agencies who are coming to contact with carers. From schools, perhaps for young carers, from hospitals, for perhaps the help from hospital service, Mm. or from the local authority themselves with some of the adult carer services, because we can provide more support than the local authority can, so they pass people on to us, and we complete assessments on behalf of the local authority. So, uh, Michael, you know, trustees, are you always looking for more or is it? Yeah, we are. Um, trustees come and go because their life circumstances change. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be in this role forever. I don't want to be in this role forever. I think that it's healthy to change. So we are looking for more trustees. Um, and probably we're looking for trustees with caring experience and we're looking... We've nobody on our board at the moment, for instance, with a health background. Okay. Which is something that we feel strong, we feel would be a, an added strength for us. So we're always looking for new trustees. We have um, a formal trustee induction program, and you know people will be supported in that role. And if anybody's interested, they can contact us, and we'll arrange a formal. In, um, an informal discussion with myself and one of the staff team will then, if they're interested, take it forward with statutory checks and the trustee induction programme. Okay. Now, now I know you've got, you know, you've got a great staff team. You've got a great team of volunteers. But I know from my background in in the charitable sector as well, um, it's always nice to have a good number of volunteers yes. as well, especially as you're expanding and yeah. services are expanding. Yeah. So, so I guess you, you know, if people are interested in doing that as well, that could be of interest to you. It is. I mean, be, because some of the nature of our services are not particularly amenable to being carried out by volunteers because they're dealing with some statutory yes uh, sector stuff, yeah, like carers assessments and what have you. But yes, we always have roles for volunteers, and we're we're happy to encourage, and that's something that as trustees we we want to discuss more because it's an area that we've perhaps, during the pandemic, have let slip a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or some volunteers have perhaps been drawn into areas with more immediate needs, such as helping with with supporting people during COVID, for instance, which we ourselves were doing. Yes. Coordinating. We were the lead organisation in the Rydale area for supporting people with COVID. Right, Okay. You know, which is like totally left field it's not something we'd expect it to do but like everybody else um, when covid hit we just had to do what we could to support it 
So it sounds like you've um, you've got a lovely flexible approach. You have to be flexible because yeah. if you if you stand still, you're not going to survive long term. Yeah, you've got to know what is happening in the area. You've got to know what's happening in the health and social care world. What's happening in the commissioning social care world and the needs of the population and respond accordingly. Our charitable objectives are sufficiently broad to allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know we just. Keep our eyes and ears open. And, and I guess if any local businesses or companies want to get help and help you with any funding or... Absolutely. In any way, shape or form. Absolutely. You'd be happy for that as well. We've, we've always had good support from the local business community. Uh, we've... A number of organisations have had us as their charity of the year. Mm. So that's gained us credibility and publicity. But we're always welcome to talk to anybody in the locality about partnership arrangements. Of course. So, Michael, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. If people, if people want to get in touch, what's the best way they can get in touch with? The best way to get in touch with our organisation is probably through our website. Okay. All the contact details are on there. Okay. And um, you can just contact us through that, and either one of the trustees or one of the staff will get back to you. Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for talking to me today, and uh, wish you well throughout Thank you the very year. Much. Thank you. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. This This is Yawa Radio. Radio.